Life Audio. Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Persis Poku. On today's episode, I wanted to address the topic of why defend the faith. Why defend the faith? And after a word from our sponsors, we'll get started on the topic today. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And I want to start with 1 Peter 3.15. It's one of the classic scriptures that we, as apologists, that we go to when we are trying to talk about apologetics, Christian apologetics. Number one, we should defend the faith because the Bible commands it. The Bible commands us to defend the faith. 1 Peter 3.15 reminds us, but in your hearts, to honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And that's the New American Standard Bible. Again, First Peter 3.15. Then in Colossians 2 and 4, it says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. There are so many people being deceived today, whether they're watching um, a station where there's a televangelist spewing out uh, scripture or illuminating on scripture by eisegesis, and which, which is not a good thing to do. Um, we should exegesis. So uh, we find many so-called uh, theologians or evangelists on television spewing out false and inaccurate theological uh, statements. So we should be cautious. We should be careful. We should stay away from listening to these uh, type of preachers and teachers. Again, Colossians 2 and 4 reminds us, 
I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments. Some things sound good. Uh, I've heard a lot of good preachers uh, who basically said nothing in terms of their theology. I've heard a, a, a lot of um, fine sounding ministers, but they really didn't say anything because what they were saying was not biblical. So just because somebody sounds good, just because somebody is articulate, just because someone has your emotions stirring doesn't necessarily mean that they're being theological or biblically accurate or being sound. And that Greek word who gauge means healthy. So when we talk about sound doctrine, we're talking about healthy doctrine. We don't want doctrine that's going to make us spiritually ill, uh, doctrine that makes us spiritually sick. Stay away from those who are giving us merely fine uh, sounding arguments but has no theolo- uh, theological substance to it. Be careful. Uh, test the spirit by the spirit to make sure that it's of God. Be careful. We have uh, teachers who deny the Trinity. We have teachers who critique the scriptures and have found it to not be the word of God. These are the type of teachers that's inside God's church, some of them. We have people that uh, deny the divinity of Jesus Christ. They deny the hypostatic union of Jesus Christ. They they deny the uh, humanity of Jesus Christ. Then you have another group that deny the divinity of Jesus Christ. Stay away from those with fine-sounding arguments. It sounds good on the surface, but it has no substance. You have teachers uh, that misinterpret and misteach the doctrine of salvation. Stay away from those type of people. And we can go on and on with a buffet of different theological errors. Stay away. Be careful. Flee. Do not give heed to these heretics. We have attacks from the outside, and we unfortunately see attacks from within. Uh, For those of you who remember, uh, there was a pastor from Mars Hill Church in Granville, Michigan, and his name is Rob Bell. Uh, He was a pastor there. And he wrote a book called Love Wins, a book about heaven, hell, and the fate of every person who ever lived. According to Rob Bell, there's there's really no hell, he says. He argues that a loving God would not sentence uh, anyone uh, to eternal suffering. That's his interpretation, but that's not theological. Hell is not uh, a fictional place. Hell is real. Jesus talked and preached on hell. Hell is not up for your debate. Hell exists, and uh, Christ is not trying to scare anyone. He's giving you the facts regarding reality. So when you deny Jesus Christ, you put yourself in a position where you spend eternity away from God, where God's goodness will not get to you again. That in itself is hell. Then uh, if you want to talk about the fiery component of hell, that's biblical as well. But hell does exist. Just because you have a problem with it doesn't mean that God 
um, is lying to us doesn't mean that the scripture is incorrect just because you have an issue with it. So when we're looking at attacks from within, we got to be careful just because um, this man has influence just because he has pastor in front of his name does not necessarily mean that they're being sound in their doctrine. So be careful. Then when we talk about attacks from within, there is a professor. uh, He's the chairman of religious studies at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I believe that's still his position. Uh, But in his book, Misquoting Jesus, he says the story behind uh, uh, the, the story behind who changed the Bible and why. That that's the title of this book, misquoting Jesus. Then the subtitle is the story behind who changed the Bible and why. He says the following: the modern Bible was shaped by mistakes and intentional alterations that were made by early scribes who copied the text, and that is incorrect. That is incorrect. The Bible has not been changed. The Bible uh, has not been altered uh, in the way that he's presenting it. He's talking about, in many cases, variants. Uh, And variants are uh, normally referred to various manuscripts uh, which appear to be paradoxical, but they're they're not. They're not uh, contradictory. Uh, Paradox is perceived contradictions, but when you practice sound hermeneutics, you'll soon discover that they're not contradictory uh, at all, depending on context, context, context. Then variances uh, deals with uh, mostly spelling. There's, there's differences in spelling, but not differences in the message. So, again, I disagree with Bart Ehrman that the scribes intentionally change the Bible because that's the only argument you can come up with when you don't want to accept what the Bible is currently saying. You attack those uh, who wrote copies of the Bible. Again, speaking from attacks from within, be careful of those with fine sound and arguments, which may not be biblical. We have to compare what people say by the word of God. Even you listening to this show, I encourage you to take what I'm saying and get out your word, get out your Bible, get out your scripture, and make sure that what I'm saying has been vetted. The late Carlton Pearson wrote, the whole world is saved, meaning redeemed, but all are not aware. This is uh, Carlton Pearson's doctrine of inclusion or universalism. And this is heretical. Let us take a break to recognize our sponsors, and we'll be right back. The whole world is not saved. God loves all ontologically. It is not God's will that any man or woman should perish. However, when we deny God's invitation of accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, what we're saying is, Lord, I don't want you to be head of my life. I don't want to accept you as Lord and Savior. I choose 
through my own free will to reject the invitation to spend eternity in heaven with you. So I choose uh, to um, not have that type of relationship with you. So if an individual chooses that route, the only other alternative is you're going to be in hell. And hell is the doctrine that many preachers today are running away from because it's not uh, spiritually sexy. It's not um, spiritually attractive. But we as ministers, we don't preach the parts of the Bible that we like and leave the other parts out or try to modify it. God loves all people. That's the bottom line. But there is a consequence for rejecting his uh, son, Jesus the Christ. So it's incorrect to lead people uh, on to think that they can have eternity with heaven, uh, in heaven with God without his son. That's an incorrect doctrine. Then we have attacks from without. You have people like Richard Dawkins who says the meme or the idea for blind faith secures its own perpetuation by the simple unconscious expedient of discouraging rational inquiry. Uh, this is Richard Dawkins. So basically he's saying that um, those of us who believe in God, um, to believe in God is to reject uh, the ability to be rational. And that's, that's ludicrous. Uh, there are many Christians who are intelligent. There are many Christians who are rational. Matter of fact, I would say that we're even more rational uh, because we know who our maker is, because we know who created logic, because we know who created philosophy. I would say we have more of an advantage because our physical is it's congruent to our metaphysical. So I would say we as Christians have more of an advantage because we have the best of both worlds. We know the physics and we know the metaphysics. Uh, We know the natural world as well as the sacred world. So I disagree with uh, Richard Dawkins that, that just because we are Christians, somehow we checked our brains out at the door once we became Christians. No, Uh, Christianity is filled with numerous uh, scientists. It's filled with numerous philosophers uh, like St. Augustine. It's filled uh, with with numerous uh, uh, people that practice medicine. You don't have to be a Christian or something else. Why does it have to be either or? It's not that you you either have to be a Christian or somebody who's rational or somebody who's logical or somebody who's philosophical. Why couldn't it be and you are a Christian and a philosopher? You're a Christian and a theologian. You're a a Christian and a philosopher. So I disagree with his argument. And then again, we have attacks from the outside. Whenever we look around, Christianity is under some form of attack. And we that are Christians, we have to give the why of the faith. We have to give the why. Why do you go to church? Why do you give money to the church? Why do you worship in such a way? Why is it that you believe Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father? Why is it that you argue that we're saved by, for, uh, by grace through faith and not by works? Why is it that you worship on Sundays? Why is it that you read your Bible often? Why is it that you pray without ceasing? These 
are the questions that people that are sincere want to ask the Christians. So this is why it's important for Christian apologetics. There are people who are sincere within our churches. They're not trying to be argumentative. They're not trying to be rebellious. They're not trying to uh, expose anyone. They just have questions, and we shouldn't be intimidated. When I say we, I'm talking about church leaders. We shouldn't be intimidated by individuals that are in our church who are sincere about the questions they want to ask. So let's not run away from that. Uh, there's a law of non-contradiction, as I said before. And the law of non-contradiction basically states that two opposite statements cannot be both true at the same time in the same sense. So what is truth? Truth is defined as telling something like it is or that which corresponds to its object. Telling something like it is or that which corresponds to its object. That's the definition, definition of truth. And in apologetics, we stand on the truth. In apologetics, we're defending the truth. In apologetics, we are articulating the truth. If we as Christians do not articulate the truth, who will? If we as Christians don't stand on the truth, who will? God has us as ambassadors. We are ambassadors. We are co-laborers with Jesus Christ. God wants you to articulate the principles. God wants you to live in a way where others may ask you questions about your faith. What makes you so different? Why, why do you exhibit joy? Why, why are you so different? Why won't you uh, be like us and, and backstab and lie and be envious and, and, and think unrighteous thoughts? What makes you so different? And that's when we have an opportunity to share Jesus Christ and to give our apologia. So apologetics deals with the rational defense of historic Christian doctrine It can be used both offensively and defensively, offensively and defensively. So uh, when we went out street witnessing and uh, we went out uh, to share the gospel, we would be on the offense. We were sharing the truth about Jesus and we was given arguments for why Jesus uh, can save and why Jesus uh, wants to save each person. So we were on the offensive But even out on the streets sharing the gospel, sometimes we would be on the defensive because somebody would ask us questions and we would have to answer those questions. So apologetics can be used both offensively as well as defensively. The three steps approach to Christian apologetics. Number one is to prove the unavoidable reality of absolute truth. We want to prove the unavoidable uh, reality of absolute truth. Number two, we want to prove the existence of God and that miracles are possible. And number three, we want to argue the reliability of the New Testament manuscripts. Um, Dr. Late, Dr. Norman Geisler, uh, he did a treatise of 12 arguments um, for the support of the New Testament. 12 arguments for the support of the, of the New Testament. So, In apologetics, we also remind people of what Christians believe. It's very important that every Christian know what we should believe, what we ought to believe. Number one, we believe in one God who has revealed himself in three persons. Number two, the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. Number three, justification through faith and not of works. 
Number four, salvation through Christ alone. This is what we believe as Christians. Number five, the Bible as the inerrant, free from error, word of God. Second Timothy 3.16. Number six, the reality of sin and the need for atonement through Christ. Romans 5 and 12. Number seven, God is omnipresent, which is found in Isaiah 44.6. God is omniscient. Psalms 147, 4 through 5, and God is omnipotent, Matthew 19 through 26. And these are things that Christians should believe and ought to believe. But as we press on, we can uh, give arguments for the Bible through apologetics. The Old Testament, which consists of 39 books, um, which we believe is inerrant and is God-given, God-breathed, uh, but there are skeptics who utilize something called, as an example, there, there, there are other uh, skeptical positions, but there are skeptics who use the documentary hypothesis, which was promoted by Julius Wellhausen, to attack the traditional view of the Old Testament. Wellhausen claimed Moses was not the primary author of the Pentateuch. And where's his evidence? He really doesn't have any evidence, but he has a good hypothesis. Uh, so when we talk about uh, the Old Testament, those are some of the arguments used against the Old Testament where they reject Moses as the author. Uh, they've come up with this hypothesis that mo- there's no way Moses could have written such a complex book uh, because of the time that he lived in. Number one, that's not true. There are other ancient writings which are similar to the style that Moses wrote the Pentateuch. Number two, it's really uh, an issue of contemporary bias to say that the people that came before us was less intelligent than we were. Uh, Those that believe in the documentary hypothesis, they won't give credit of authorship to Moses, but they'll give credit of authorship to uh, a source that they haven't found, a source another source that they don't have in their possession. They say, well, Moses didn't write it, but there must have been uh, a Jehovah source. There must have been an Elohim source. There must have been a priestly source. There must have been a Deuteronomical source. So they have all these sources that they haven't discovered, but yet they're not willing to accept the traditional view that Moses wrote the Pentateuch. Then people like Bertrand Russell, Uh, Bertrand Russell um, was a British philosopher who lived in the 18th and uh, um, uh, in the 19th and 20th century. He said is historically doubtful whether uh, Christ ever existed at all. He's talking about the New Testament. So when we talk about um, arguing for the Old Testament, we also have to argue for the New Testament. Right. So Bertrand Russell is basically attacking the historicity of Jesus Christ. And if he, uh, I believe, would have put more energy into research, he could have easily seen evidence for the historicity of Jesus Christ, not just in the scriptures, not just in the New Testament, not just in the gospels, but there's evidence outside of the Bible that proves uh, the historicity of Jesus Christ. He, you, uh, you can read writings uh, by Thalos, uh, Tacitus, um, Josephus, as well as many other uh, extra-biblical uh, sources 
and see that Jesus was a real person. So why trust the Bible? Number one, the writers were of good character and not known for lying. Number two, proximity, because the writing of the events were close in proximity to the actual events. Then archaeology is catching up to the Bible. Archaeological evidence uh, that proved that what the Bible has said is true. And when we look at uh, the scriptures, we also see fulfilled prophecies, right? We, we, we can look at the internal evidence, uh, the predictions, the assertions, and the pronouncements to see that the Bible is true. The Bible prophesies about the seed of the woman, and it happened. The Bible prophesied about the line of Abraham, and it happened. Uh, it, it, the prophecy regarding the rejection of Jesus in Isaiah 53, it happened. The resurrection in Psalms 16 and 10, it happens. So my point is this. The Bible is accurate, and we as Christians, we have to be knowledgeable enough to sit down with people and regurgitate this information uh, in our own way. You don't have to be a theologian, but you should know what Christians believe. You should know how to impart those beliefs to other people. In, sense, in a sense, we are practicing apologetics. I pray that uh, you got something out of today's episode. Again, we are praying for you and your ministry. We ask that you pray for us, and we still are in need of monthly supporters. So if you are bold enough and have enough faith uh, to support this apologetic ministry, we will be mighty grateful. Uh, you can go on our website, SR Ministries, and give a donation. If you'd like to take one of our courses, go on srministries.org, and you'll find our registration courses uh, where you can participate with us weekly and take a class. Now remember to continue to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.